I want you to open up in your Bibles in John chapter 11. And again, like I said, we're going to pause John after today. So this is Lazarus part 2. Before we get into the Word, I just want to remind you about the service times in the next couple of weeks. So on the 18th of December, that is next week. It's an important day for us because it is our family and friends day. And everybody's invited to invite family and friends. And we're going to have a nice shared lunch here. There's going to be different foods here. It's already been organized. I'm going to have a children's message. And for those who know who, over the years what it is, we get the children, it's going to be a practical message. So uh, it is family and friends safe. <laughs> I'm going to talk to the children. But there's a message for the parents. Uh, I might even eat dog food. I don't know. It might be that. I know, it's terrible, isn't it? And then we're going to have food and everything, and we're going to just fellowship a little bit for the day. Now, like I said, we're going to park John. We've been busy with John since February. Who's enjoyed the the Gospel of John? And we're going to start with the book of Revelation. Starting in January, we start with the book of Revelation. And just to let you know, it's not Revelations. It's a revelation. It's one revelation. And we'll get through that. Pray for me. I know there's a lot of controversy around that book, but I'm not afraid of it. And we shouldn't be afraid of the book of Revelation. I know so many churches don't preach it because they say, oh, you know, it's so contentious. It shouldn't be contentious. Uh, And I'm looking forward to that, to preach through that verse by verse. Praise the Lord. Let's get back into John chapter 11. We're talking about Lazarus here. And last week, we saw that... uh, There were people coming to Jesus and they brought him bad news. Have you had bad news in your life? It's the messenger of bad news. The messenger said to Jesus, the one whom you love, this is my paraphrase, he's sick. And we know now that by the time that the messenger came to Jesus, that Lazarus was dead already. And then Jesus started talking to him. And he said to his disciples that he's not sick, he's only sleeping. And we looked into sleep, and our people believe in soul sleep. And we dealt with that last week, and you can listen to the message online. But then Jesus started going to them, and you remember when I said it takes two days travel for them to get to Bethany. When Jesus started talking to them four days before he got to to Bethany, because he waited two days and traveled two days, Lazarus was dead. So one would think, why bother going for Lazarus himself? Because he's dead. And one would think he will go for the funeral. But Jesus had other plans. Because he said, this man is not dead, he's only sleeping. And he's trying to give them comfort in that. And as they walk on, you remember that Martha comes running up to him and she she said to him, Jesus, if only you'd been here, Lazarus wouldn't have been dead. And in that conversation, there's a verse that I want to quickly just stop and discuss with you. Just open up in your Bibles because it's not on the board. It's just this morning when I prayed about this passage and read over it again, it stood out for me. 
And I want to just go back to it. It gives us courage in today's life. It gives us confidence in today's life. It gives us faith in today's life. It gives us hope to understand this verse. The one place you don't want to be is a place of hopelessness. No hope. Mochetrocha. That's a word that somebody says is for no hope. But this verse, take it today. If this is the only thing you take today and live by it and learn this verse, it will give you hope. Doesn't matter what the world throws at you. Doesn't matter. They say Australia is a quarter away from a recession. Does that worry you? It shouldn't. Because you and I are secure in the hands of God. And if I've got children, I want to look after them. So our Heavenly Father will look after each one of us. And this verse is for me the cement of all of that. It is the rock. It is the bedrock that you and I can stand on. And it is written in John chapter 11, verse 25. Now Jesus said to her, and this is to Martha, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. Now look at me. If you want life, you find it in Christ. If you want life, you find it in Christ. No other place. It doesn't matter how old you are, from small to old, people are looking for life. I want to live. And Jesus himself says, he says two things here. He says, I'm the resurrection. So if there's somebody here sitting and they fear death, know this, you are following, you are part of, you are a friend of, you are a child of the one who has the resurrection. You shouldn't fear that. Then he says, I am the life. He who believes in me. Now this is where, this is the critical part of the verse. You see, you can be part of the resurrection and the life, but there is a critical part here. He says, he who believes in me. What about that man? What about that woman who believes in Christ? What about them? Jesus answers it here. He says, though he may die, he shall live. Now what is he saying there? He's talking about this body. He's talking about this flesh and bone. Remember, Martha comes running up to him. She says, he's dead, he's dead. There's no hope, hopeless. And Jesus says, I'm the resurrection and I'm the life. He who believes in me, though he shall die like Lazarus, though he's already in the tomb, he shall live. The natural man cannot understand these things because he goes, what are you talking about? The natural man means it's the person who do not believe in Jesus Christ. And there's two kinds of people in this world. It's the natural man and the spiritual man. The natural man, no believe in Jesus. The spiritual man, he came to the cross and he's born again. He confessed his sin and he believes in Jesus Christ. Now, he says that if he dies in the body, he shall live. He shall be alive. And that gives hope. 
That gives life after death. Is that what you're looking for? And whoever lives and believes in me, he repeats twice the word believes in me, shall never die. And then he asks a question to Martha, which I want to ask you this morning personally. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? That is critical. Or are you still working it out? If you are still working it out, praise the Lord, I'll pray for the Holy Spirit to help you, to guide you, to strengthen you. This is the facts of life. This is what you need to know more than anything in your life. Man, I can just sense the Holy Spirit wants you to understand it this morning. Do you believe what I just told you? Do you believe the very words of your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? Though you may die, you will live. Friend, this is what you need to search with everything within you. Not to have a life on this earth. Look, if you are with Him, He will sort your life out for you and with you. He'll be with you every single way. The Bible is so full of it. The Old Testament talks about it. He says He will direct your footsteps. He will guide you. Will Even Lazarus, even Lazarus, we're going to see, He directed these paths. Even into death. Death, where is your sting? Are you afraid of death? Are you afraid of to die? You shouldn't be, because in Him is life. Life-giving Spirit, life-giving Jesus Christ. He says, I am the resurrection and I am the life. Look, I shouldn't even preach any further from now, because that is for me critical, critical to understand this morning. Because if you don't grasp this concept, the rest of the message might mean nothing for you. The rest of this year and next year preaching through the book of Revelation will mean nothing to you. If you haven't got Christ, my friend, you've got nothing. You are just a pauper. You are poor. You're like a, a man who's got nothing. Though you may have riches untold, without Jesus Christ, you ain't nothing. And the silver will look grimly dim of this earth. He is everything you need. Why are you still fighting so much? Why are you struggling so much in life if you can have life in Him? Who is the resurrection? Who is the life? Martha, Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the life. And only you need to do is believe in Him. You don't have to pay a price. Oh yes, you are going to pay a price. That's the old man. He had to die. The old sinful man. He had to die. And I think that's important. There's two great themes right through this chapter. One is the glory of God. John chapter 11. He says it there. I think it's in verse 4. He says, this, is, this death here or this sickness is for the glory of God. And the second one is faith. Remember when he turned to them and he said, He's dead, and I'm so glad I'm with you, so that 
He knew it, that when he was going to raise him up from the dead, their faith will be built in Jesus Christ. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the preaching of the word. You are building your faith this morning. So have you got hope this morning in the resurrection and the life? His name is Jesus Christ. Our Lord and our Savior. So we see how he's dealt now with Martha. Now we're going to see that he's dealing with Mary. As you follow now in your Bible in John chapter 11 verse 28. And when she had said these things, she went away, this is Martha, and secretly called Mary her sister, saying, now why secretly? Because by now there's a lot of people sitting around the house, they are weeping, they are wailing, they are crying, they are supporting her, and she comes to her secretly because, why? Because it says, the teacher has come and is calling for you. How wonderful is those words? Do you know if one day the teacher came and he called for me? He called my name. Mary, Mary, the teacher has come and he's calling for you. Did you know that Jesus came into this world and he calls you by name? We've dealt with that last time, didn't we? The previous chapter I showed you that he calls them by name. And here Martha comes. And she cries out to him, and how wonderful is the call of our Lord Jesus Christ. Have you heard that call? It's the most wonderful call I've heard in my life. When the teacher was calling for me. And he's calling for you. He's calling every single day. Come. Come to me, the teacher is calling. Mary, where are you? He called the same in, in the Garden of Eden, you remember? When those two were so naughty, no, no, they were not naughty. They sinned. Adam and Eve, you remember? Oh, the people, did they say they were naughty? It's only naughtiness, you know. No, 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 they sinned. That is serious. They died. Yes. And then he came through and he called them, Adam, Adam, where art thou? And he calls you on my name. He calls Mary. Martha comes and says, the teacher has come. And he's calling for you. And as soon as he heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Oh, friends, I, I love this song. You know, when this man who wrote this song, Tom Tomlinson, I think is his name, when he came to William Booth on his deathbed, you know which song Booth quoted back to him? He says, only if I could have written, this is Booth on his deathbed, this song, softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling Calling for you and for me. Can you hear his call this morning? See on the portals he's waiting and watching. Watching for you and for me. Oh Mary, the teacher is coming. He's come. He's calling you. Come home. Come home. You who are weary, come home. Earnestly, tenderly, Jesus is calling. Calling, O sinner, come home. You know, there's a call today out to the sinner in the world. There's a call. 
There's a call for you in this place this morning if you don't follow Him fully. And you know what the call is? Mary, the teacher, has come and He's calling you. The resurrection and the life is calling you, Mary. Why should we tarry when Jesus is pleading? Pleading for you and for me. Why should we linger and heed not His mercies? Mercies for you and for me. You know what Mary did? She did what every single person should do when they hear the call of the Master. She rose quickly and came to Him. Look, I can preach a salvation message out of those two verses. Have you seen the message? Now Jesus had not yet come into town, but He was in a place where Martha met Him. And then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her and saying, she's going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. You remember this is the same Mary who was sitting at Jesus' feet when Martha was working around? She knew where to sit with Jesus. You and I need to sit at Jesus' feet. It's the wonderful place to sit at His feet. How do you sit at His feet these days? He's not here, they say, and it's true. He died and He ascended on heaven. If you open up your Bible and you read it and you pray every day, that's where you sit at Jesus' feet. She came in a time of heartbrokenness. She came in a difficult time, and when she came to Jesus, she fell down at His feet. Let me tell you, if you're going through a difficult time in your life, come to Jesus and fell down at His feet. Fall down at His feet and listen. Listen to Him. But she did cry out. She said, Jesus, if only, if only. How many times have you said those words back to God? God, if only you have done this. Lord, if only for my loved one. It's the same that she said. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. The shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. But let me tell you, that verse has got so much in it. I can open up that verse and go to the Old Testament, go to the New Testament, talk in the book of Hebrews, and we can open up that verse and it will, it will keep you busy for a long time. Isn't it wonderful to know the tender mercies that our Lord has, that He's weeping? We're going to find out why He wept, just now. But tears came out of His eyes. The situation right in front of Him draw Him to tears. In the Garden of Gethsemane, it was, he was praying so earnestly that his sweat drops became like blood. For you and for me. For you and for me. He is the resurrection and life. <clears throat> you see, the Jews didn't understand this. They said, see how he loved him. Loved him. See how he loved him. 
You see, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. That word for groan comes from the Greek word, which means he was snorting with anger. He was angry at that point in time. Why? When, when she came to him, Mary came to him, Martha came to him, they asked the same, they say the same thing. And then when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, he groaned, he was angry, he snorted like a horse with anger. Why? And then he says, he was troubled, he was agitated. Because he saw what death does. Because he saw what the enemy uses as a weapon against you and me. He wasn't angry at them. He wasn't angry at Martha and Mary and the people weeping. He saw the pain and the agony that was caused through this. And it says Jesus wept. And you've got to ask the question, why did he weep? Did he weep because Lazarus was dead? That's absurd to think that he wept because Lazarus was dead. Why would, why would I say that? Because if you go back to the beginning of the chapter, you see that he himself had so much faith. When he spoke to his disciples, he says, no, he's, he's only sleeping. This is not a, a death, you know. He had all of that faith. And to say now that when he came to the tomb and he saw them weeping, that he wept because he was dead, that's absurd. That means that his faith is up and down and up and down. No, Jesus is not like that. Did he weep because for their grief or for their lack of faith? I think it's a combination of the two bottom ones. Because he saw the pain that the enemy could do through death. But also the lack of faith. Because friends, he started this message about the resurrection and life. He said it to Mary. In chapter 5, verse 25, he said the same thing. He said to them that, you know, though he may die, he will raise. And then he said to them, he said to his own disciples, the people, and he came to them and they got no faith whatsoever. And in verse 37, and some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying. You see that they are living in the past. You see that? Couldn't he have kept this man from dying? That was the notion of Martha and Mary as well. That is how they thought. Remember when they both came to Jesus? If only you had been here, he would not have died because you would have kept him alive. And I know Jesus is a sustainer of life. But that's not only what it is. He's the resurrection and He is the life. He's not the only the sustainer of life. He gives life. This is what He's going to show them. They were interested in Him sustaining the life of Lazarus. But now He's going to give life to Lazarus. There's a difference there. And here, it, starts, it stands out so clearly. Then Jesus again groaning in Himself, snorting like uh, with anger, came to the tomb it was a cave and the stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone, Martha. The sister of him who was dead said to him, I, I shouldn't have said it in that way. It, it sounded as if, as if he said, Take away the stone, Martha. I should, I should keep my, my emphasis right. Let me do try that again, okay? <laughs> Poor Martha. Run, run, run. Take away the stone. <laughs> Let me try that again, okay? Uh, verse 39, Jesus said, 
Take away the stone, comma. Martha, the sister of whom was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. Remember the Jews bury on the same day. They do this the same day. And now she says, Lord, it's a stinking situation. You were not here. It's after the effect. It's smelling. And what did Jesus do? He says, Martha, you're right. Call in OHS. You know, what is the people who are standing around going to say? Let's be politically correct here. No, no, no. Jesus doesn't work that way. No. She said to him, it's four days dead now. You see, they had a dead watch, what they call a dead watch. And they believed, the Jews believed that the spirit of the man is hovering around the body for three days. So they sit and wait for three days. They were weeding. I mean, by now it's four days after, after he was dead. He was buried four days. Jesus comes to the funeral. The funeral's already taken place. There was still a group of people there because the death watch was still on. And then the Jews believe after three days, if nothing happens, whatever could happen, then the spirit departs. And then it's over. So it looks really bad at this point in time. It was over. He's stinking. Jesus said to her, I love this. Did I not say to you that it would be, uh, that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from a place where the dead man was lying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you'll always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. I want you to just look at this when he spoke. He used a loud voice, the Bible says. Look at this now, verse 43. He says, now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Oh, if, if I could hear those words, the words of life, the words of power. There's two words formed here. The word in Greek for that is mega. Mega, that means massive. And the word for voice is phunai. That's where we get our word megaphone from. Megaphone. Imagine. Megaphone. He didn't just stand in and say, Hey, Lazarus, come forth. No, no, no. Lazarus, come forth! And I can imagine, dear friends, that that voice chasmed right through, right through into the death realm. Called him by his name. Megaphone. And he who died came out bound hands and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. But you know what? I want to get more excited about this verse about the loud voice. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 10 he says, I was in the Spirit. This is the same John on the Lord's day and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet. Two words, the same. Megaphone. Imagine sitting there on the Isle of Patmos. And he heard the voice. This is where people say, you know, it's not everybody's going to hear that voice when he comes. Because he was in a small island and that megaphone voice came to John. And he got him to write the book of Revelation. A 
loud voice. 1 Thessalonians, let me try that again. 1 Thessalonians, chapter 4, verse 16. Look at this. He says, For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, the phone, and as a trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Are you ready to hear that voice? The megaphone of God? Wonderful the Bible, isn't it? And he came out with his wrapped in cloth and Jesus said to them, Lose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews had come to Mary and seen these things Jesus did believed in him. And I better hurry on, friends. There's so many things I want to pick out of this. Look, I can preach over this chapter again and we get so many insights into this. And I just pray that God will bless you what is in front of you today. In verse 46, he says, But some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things Jesus did. Yes, here comes the problem again. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council and said, What shall we do? What shall we do? Well, I know what you should do, duh. Bow your knees to Jesus Christ. Come to the resurrection and life. That's what they should do. One would think these clever people will understand that. He showed now that he raised a man out of the grave who was dead four days. Look, they could have handled it when he, when he healed the young boy and the young girl because it was on the same day that they died. They were on their way to the grave. But now he was dead four days. Hello, duh, you guys should have bowed your knees and come to him. But do you think that's what they will do? No. And this is now giving us the clearest identification why they will not do it. Read on. It says it there. Verse 47. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered a council. You know the councils. We will have a council now. This is the important people, the high brass. And said, what shall we do? For this man works many signs. If we let him alone like this, everyone will believe in him. That's the problem for them. They've built themselves up into these ivory towers of power through false religion. They're making a lot of money. And, and let me tell you, that's happening today. Turn on your television. These people are building themselves into ivory towers and raking the money through false gospel, through false teaching, through false whatever you can say. It. And I've got a word for them today. If you are one of those, one day you will bow your knee to my Lord Jesus Christ and you will repent of the hypocrisy and of the sin you are doing like these men. It's a serious word. They are afraid everyone will believe in him, not in them. You see, my task here this morning is not to make followers of me, it's make followers of him. It doesn't bother me what you think of me. It bothers what you think of Christ. He's the most important. I'm only a voice. He can use many voices. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. They're afraid that this man will overthrow them. And one of them, Caiaphas, now listen to this, because he prophesies this man. Listen to him. Caiaphas, being a high priest, that year said to them, you know nothing at all. Hello? <laughs> they do know nothing at all. That's the truth. He's, he's talking the truth here. Hey, you know nothing at all. 
nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people, and not that the whole nation should perish. Oh, he was so right, and he didn't even know it. That is a prophecy because Jesus was going to die for the people, for their sin. Now this is he who did not say on his own authority, he didn't say it, but being high priest, that year he prophesied that Jesus would die for the nation. And not for that nation only, but also would gather together one, the children of God who were scattered abroad. You see people come to him and they say, yeah, but, but you know, people got saved under Benny Hinn. Yeah, but people got saved under Joyce Myers. And yeah, people get saved under these people who's going around with these false teachers. How do you answer that? Well, I'll answer this. They got saved not because of these people, but despite of them. And this is my proof there. You see, if I take this situation out, if I only take that part out of Caiaphas and I put it in front of people, they'll say, oh, that's truly a man of God because he prophesied a true prophecy. But you see, this is the secret here. He didn't say it on his own authority. That came from God and he even used him. I always tell people he can even use a donkey to speak if he wants to and he did. They say, but you know, when I listen to them, sometimes they sound good. Well, there's the problem therein. Sometimes. You shouldn't sometimes sound good. You should be good all the time. Any preacher. You can't have one off sermon and preach a lot of nonsense and rubbish and then, you know, one good one and then you go back to, no, 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 no. If the foundation is Jesus Christ and He's the rock bed of your foundation, it should be truth in spirit and in truth all the time. In the Old Testament, they stoned them if they were not 100% correct. I think I went off on a tangent there again. But it's got to be said. It's got to be said. This gives us a leverage to say that. To say it to the people out there. Look, I stand under the same. One day I will give an account to God for every single word I preach from this pulpit. And you know on what account I'm standing? On His account because the Bible says I need to work to show myself approved before Him. But this is it. This is how it gets a little bit more tricky for people who likes just to jump up and to say a lot of nonsense. Not only for him do I have, but for each one who's sitting in front of me listening now. That's an awesome responsibility, but it takes a lot of accountability with that. Let it be known. This man said it to those people, and he will stand, and he is standing accountable for what he said, because he didn't even believe what he said. But let's continue on. Verse 53, then from that day on they plotted to put him to death. Therefore Jesus no longer walked openly among the Jews. But went from there into the country near the wilderness to a city called Ephraim. And there remained with his people, his disciples. And the Passover of the Jews was near and many went from the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then they saw Jesus. Isn't it wonderful? I'll tell you one thing, dear friend. If people get in touch with Jesus, they will seek Him. I know why they seek Him now. They seek Him for the signs. It's wonderful if you have somebody who can constantly, constantly show you signs. But this is the problem with only signs. You'll get tired of it. And every time you want a bigger sign. 
You can't build a church on science, nor on worship, nor on books and gimmicks. You build the church of God on the Word of God. On the Word of God. And they saw Jesus and spoke among themselves, and they stood in the temple. What do you think? That he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priest and the Pharisees had given a command that if anyone knew where he was, he should report it, that they might seize him. They've made up in their hearts what they're going to do with Jesus. We're going to kill him. We're going to get rid of him. Oh, don't come with that Jesus thing to me. That's a translation, isn't it? You talk to your loved ones, you talk to your friends, and you start testifying about Jesus. Oh, don't give me that Jesus nonsense. You see, these people are the same now. They had such a great opportunity. When they asked that question, I really, really thought that this is a really good question to ask. What shall we do? They were at the point of decision. What shall we do? I tell you what you do. You repent of your sin. You come to Jesus Christ. You believe in Him. And then you will have resurrection and life eternal. Though you may die, you will live. How come is it so easy for some to understand and for others not? That to me was a pivotal point. At this point it could fall to the left and it could fall to the right. And then right after that perfect point, they get this prophecy about Jesus who's going to die for the nation. And one would think they would sit there and one would think, wow, he's going he's to give up his life for these people. Surely we need to look into that. And then if they start looking into that, they will find out that the, the, the angel came and said that yes, he will come and he will die, but for what? Not for the nation to be a, a kingdom. No, no, no. It was for their sin, but not only for them, for the whole world. But they choose and they chose to go the wrong way. And you know why it happens? It's because of hardened hearts. Their hearts were so hardened. It was like granite in the granite. Granite? Yeah. You know what you take to break up granite? You blow it up with dynamite. You know what these people need? They need the dynamic power of the Holy Spirit. The dunamis power. That's the only thing that will break up hardened hearts. Pray. Ask God for our friends. Now I want to end on these verses here. John chapter 11, verse 21. This is Martha. She came and she said to Jesus, Lord, if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. And we see the same thing Mary say when she saw Jesus a little bit later. She fell down at his feet and said, Lord, only if you had been here, my brother would have not died. I want to talk to you just quickly because I know people do that, you know. We live our lives every single day and there you are, you're working, you are struggling through your life sometimes and you pray and then things don't happen the way that you pray for it. And then you say, if only. Lord, if only. If only. It's the same as Martha and Mary said. You're not alone. You're not alone in your struggle. You're not alone in the things you're going through. And I know because I'm living in this life as well. You see, when you pray to God, you say, Lord, this is the way that I think you should do things for me. 
Lord, this is my situation. And then you, you give it over to the Lord as you've been taught in church. You say, just give everything to the Lord. And there we go. You just give it to the Lord. And then right after you gave it to the Lord, right the next second you go, and you start dictating to God how you should fix the problem. Isn't that what they did? They said, oh, if only you had been here. That's starting to dictate what they wanted him to do. You see, when they said, messenger to him. They wanted him to hurry. Hurry up. Fit in with us. Come and sustain his life for us. He's sick to death. And so we do. We dictate to God. Every day we dictate. Say, Lord, this is how I would fix the problem. Oh, Lord, please help me. Oh, Lord, everything. But wait a minute. This is how I want you to help me, okay? Fix it in this way. God doesn't do that. Why not? I asked that question so many times to the Lord. Why not? And you know why? Because He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you better. He knows the perfect way to solve your problems. Now it might hurt you. It might disappoint you. Hurt. Can you see the hurt in both of them? Can you see the disappointment in both of them? In both of them. And that's the same with you and me. But he always has your best intentions, his best intentions for your life, always. Though he's four days late, he's always on time. That doesn't make sense, does it, Ailey? Four days late, but he's still on time. Wait a minute, hey. And look, if we shake your heads like this, there's two ladies sitting right there. Martha and Mary, they're shaking their heads and say, that doesn't make sense. And then Jesus said to them, he said, did I not say to you that if you would believe that you would see the glory of God? I want to leave you with that verse. I want to say to you this morning, from a man to a man and a, and a man to a woman this morning, I want to say to you that if only you believe, you will see the glory of God. That is so powerful words. I want to keep on saying it for the next 10 minutes. If only you believe, you will see the glory of God. The question then is, what is the glory of God? What is the glory of God? The glory of God, the power of God is the glory of God. And that was demonstrated to you and me in one man, Jesus Christ. They behold Him. They saw Him. He said to them, I am the resurrection and life in front of them. Psalm 62, verse 11, God has spoken once. Twice have I heard this. The power belongs unto God. Amen. He's a powerful God. But I come back again. If only you believe, you would see the glory of God. Before we go to Revelation chapter 15, there's a scripture verse that just popped into my mind, which I think fits in between those two. Isaiah chapter 6. You remember what happened in Isaiah chapter 6 verse 1? Let me read it to you. Give me a minute. I think it's perfectly going to fit into this passage. If not, I'm going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit and read it anyway. Because the Holy Spirit just, I believe, popped it into my mind. Or In the year that the king Uzziah died. Now listen to, listen to the prophet here. This is Isaiah. He said, 
I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of His robe filled the temple. Now, 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 just, just, yeah, I love this. Now, let's do a quick Bible study. You see, he says the train of his robe filled the temple. This is the Lord. Isaiah saw the Lord. He saw him sitting on the throne. And his train, his train filled the temple of his robe. Above it stood seraphim. Each one had six wings. For the two covered his face. With two he covered his feet. And with two, two he flew. And one cried to another and said, Holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. Listen to this. And the posts of the doors were shaken by the voice. There's the voice again. The voice of Him who cried out, and the house was filled with smoke. Now just quickly remember. You remember when Jesus walked through the crowd, and the, the lady with an infirmity came, and she touched Him? She touched His rope. The rope has got the authority of God. She touched the authority of God and she was healed. Here is the authority of God filling the rope, filled the temple. You remember when uh, King Saul wanted to kill David and he was in, in, in the cave, you remember that? And David came down and what did he do? He cut part of his rope. He cut the seam of his rope. And that infuriated Saul. Why? Because it showed him he could take his authority. He could kill him. He had the authority of God because he was anointed as a king. He could kill him. But he, cut, he just showed him that. You see how the Bible beautifully flows? He says into that verse 4, he says that smoke filled the temple. The power of God came into the midst of the temple where the prophet was. And what did he do? Did he jump up and down in power? No, no, no. He fell down and he said, oh Lord, how sinful man am I. My lip speaks of sin. That's my paraphrase. Go and read it, verse 5. The power of God. Now look at this verse. Revelation 15, verse 8. He says, and the temple was filled with smoke from what? The glory of God. And, and from His authority, there's the authority, and no one was able to enter into the temple until the seven plagues of the seven angels were compiled. That finishes chapter 11. But again, I want to leave you with these verses this morning. When you ask your questions, if only God... Why don't you put your faith and your trust in Him and just follow what He says? Read your Bible, fall at His feet. Fall at His feet. And this is what I tell you this morning, dear friend. What Jesus says, did I did not say that if you believe, you would see the glory of God. Do you want to see the glory of God? Only believe. Trust in Him. Come to Him. Follow Him in Jesus' name.